you see me on Mac Break Weekly? I did. I did. Yeah. That is a long podcast show. That is. Video. Yeah. They do yeah, a good two and a half hours pretty much every yeah. single week. Yeah. With uh, Leo Laporte and, and Jason Snell, who I admire a lot, and, and Andy Anatko, who is uh, really a master of of uh, coming up with things to say on the spot. So. And you've it's, done it's, you've done Twit before, but not Mac Break, right? I've done Twit before, but not Mac Break, and I've I've podcasted with Snell a few times, but not with video. And it was my first time uh, podcasting with Andy, but I've listened to Andy for years, and so it was it was cool. And it was last minute too, so it was like half an hour before uh, it was kind of an emergency fill in for someone else, and uh, it was fun. It was really cool. Yeah, and at the end, they do like those little like pick stuff, and you had like five because you, you, well, you had some songs and you had some bands, and <laughs> and then you shouted at happy hour, which is always good. Yeah, um, so so if you're listening to this for the first time from that, hey, yeah, uh, <laughs> but yeah, one, no, it was yeah. Oh, I was gonna say it was like uh, I, I wasn't prepared for a pick, and so it was it was mentioned to me. Hey, in just a moment, we're gonna do picks. If you have one, cool. If you don't, that's all right. And I was like, well, what, what's one thing I should do? So I looked at my Safari browsing history, and I was like, what are some things I've been interested in this past week? And uh, couldn't nail it down to just one. So, yeah, there were five or six. Yeah, you wrote them off, and one of them was talking about an Apple Arcade game, which was a surprise to me. Uh-huh, uh-huh. yeah, I'm a big gamer. What's, what's it called? Simple Crosswords? What's the app called? It's called... It's called Super Hard Crossword Puzzle. <laughs> uh, <laughs> looking at my phone now. Because basically, you were saying you were using it as a tiny crossword social media. Tiny crosswords, okay. Yeah, tiny crossword plus. Yeah, um, you know how you use Twitter or, or you know Instagram or, or Mastodon or whatever to kind of fill you know out of, out of just maybe just out of habit just to fill in time when you're mm-hmm. when you're you know just doing something like you know anything and um, sort of just like mindlessly. Well, I've not by any like choice or like plan or stance or anything but just i just happened to not have social media apps on my phone um as like uh you know at least like for the next few days when i started doing this let me just not have these here and i'll just have them on my mac only and um I, and around the same time i, I was i kind of wanted to like exercise my brain a little bit more um and and so i downloaded the tiny crossword plus from arcade because you know it's part of it's, it's ad free. It's part of what I pay for so far, Kate, and so why not? And I, and I found that in all the and and I'd say all yeah all the time where I I would idly just be you know thumbing around on my phone, um, you know scrolling or um, you know looking at photos or, or whatever. I've I found that I'm just doing these little short crossword puzzles, and then it's like. You know, it might be like ten words tops for one of these, and they're really easy to do. The clues are are dead simple, uh, and then every every third or fourth puzzle, there's a a one that's got just more more tiles, and it's not harder. It's just more tiles, and um, kind of feels like oh, this is what I've been working up to. You know, this is like the boss level of the game, and uh, so I I've been happy doing that. Even like right before bed, I'll, I'll want to do a little bit more on my phone or something, and so I'll, I'll do some of those. And uh, yeah, that's. It, 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 and it, it has clicked in my mind that like it's the same. I get the same satisfaction as I would get of you know looking looking through Twitter, looking through Mastodon or something, and then seeing like oh I found something interesting, read that and go down a rabbit hole. Um, but it's less distraction and less negativity. And, um, 
kind of you know scratches an itch that I that I yeah have, yeah because a lot of us have. I, I I might download that crossword app actually because I like I do I'm still doing like Wordle and stuff. I like the word kind of what kind of games crosswords are kind of similar to that. But what I use for the idle um, scrolling replacement is uh, Crossy Road. So. And I've been on Crossy Road for years and years and years. And then it came to Apple Arcade. And so then I started using Crossy Road again, ad free. So it got even better. Because um, like yeah. you, I get Apple Arcade and I get Apple Arcade as part of Apple One. I don't really use it myself generally. I've tried a few of the games on there, but nothing's really, really stuck. Uh, but they added uh, Crossy Road on there, ad free. And so that's what I do. That's my mindless. I mean, I still use social media and stuff. But when yeah, there's times yeah. when you're just kind of like sitting there and you're like, what can I do for five seconds? Or I'm just thinking about something for work and it's like, you know, I just need to set my hand, do something. I've just got like pretty good at doing crossy road uh, subconsciously. So it's just, you know, swipe forward, swipe forward, side to side, side to side. And I just do it over and over again. I've got to be up there with the most, <laughs> the most uh, frequent app, uh, crossy road uh, users. Because yeah. half the time, half the time I'm doing it so brainlessly, I'll just like, do like the first hundred points and just immediately smash into a car because I'm not really looking at the screen, but it's just yeah. something to do, you know, for yeah five minutes and something. There's uh, my sister and brother-in-law. They they play card games and board games a lot, and so when I go over to visit, this often they'll they'll have out whatever they've played recently, and and we'll we'll give it a spin. And um, one of the games we played recently was called uh, Skip Bow, uh, S K I P dash B O. And uh, it's a it's a card game. It's got its own set of rules, and they're really good at that stuff. I'm okay at that kind of stuff, but I, it's very satisfying to go from I have no idea what this is, I've never heard of it, and it's got this, its own set of rules, unlike anything else. To now I get it and I get the strategy, and I, I want to play more. Like I'm addicted. I'm not winning, but I want to beat you eventually. So I, I got really into that, and then you know left, and it's like, do you guys want to play again? You know, like. And I was like, I was wondering, is it wonder if there's an app for this game or if there's like a version online? And of course, there was an iPhone app and an iPad app for Skipbo, and I, um, I, I downloaded it and kind of got it out of my system a little bit. So, um, so yeah, I, I like those like simple kind of mind mind scratchers, you know, that yeah. just get you get you engaged. Um, I think what kicked it off for me was was my my son has uh, really big into the Lego games on on xbox on consoles so um star wars and marvel and he loves when i play lego marvel superheroes with him and uh I, you know i do it just to, to kind of do something with him but also like when it is kind of a puzzle in the game that you've got to figure out it, it is satisfying so i think you know <laughs> late in life i've discovered that that's something that i like to do yeah, yeah. And yeah arcade's really um great for that kind of stuff and it'd be Nice if they can get some bigger titles on there, because I think it's good for families and like younger kids and stuff. But then when you get older, you have the you know the mindless one button stuff like Crossy Road or whatever or the crosswords thing. But there's not really anything there like substantial for older players, so maybe they're going to add that in time. But because it's part of the bundle, you know you get some value out of it, and so that's all you really need to justify its its existence because you're you know paying for the bundle for other stuff, and then that's just like a bonus. Mm-hmm. And Mayo, you you uh. Got a new keyboard. That's that's news this week for you. Yeah, I mean, uh, crazy why? breaking news that is. What happened? Keyboard. No, so I had the. I'm a sucker for the Mac keyboards. Like, I've tried other keyboards, and although I probably should use another keyboard for ergonomics, I just don't really like how they feel. I, I'm used to the key placement of the Apple keyboards. You know, the exact uh, chiclet style keys with the gap between them. 
a lot of the ergonomic keyboards they don't have gaps or they're not the same gaps and because I'm, I'm i'm still using my like obviously i use my laptop as my desktop and so rarely for, for, you know fairly often i'm typing directly into the laptop by using the laptop keyboard and so i find it really um nice to be able to have the exact same keyboard layout as the external keyboard as well which means then you're stuck with the apple keyboards um and i think the apple keyboards feel nice you know they're not great for ergonomics because they're a bit too slim profile like they should probably be a bit more raised and stuff but i'm just kind of ignoring that part because at least for a little bit longer until my hands already do die out and my wrists uh demand something more ergonomic but mm-hmm. while i can i like using the apple keyboards and i've had the i had the original um wireless apple keyboard before it was called the magic keyboard you know the the, the one that had the canister in it for the two aa batteries that went in the back mm-hmm. I had that originally like 10 years ago. And then when that died, I got the second generation, i.e. the Magic Keyboard, the first one, which was wireless, and it charged over um, Lightning. Um, and then that's finally died like this week. I, I think I spilled water on it. I'm not 100%, but I think I accidentally <laughs> spilled my drink on it. Um, mm. And so then half the keys stopped working overnight. Like I finished like I finished the day, I woke up the next morning and I you know, came to work to start programming and stuff and like the tab key wouldn't respond, the escape key wouldn't respond. So I banged it a bit and then a few of the keys came back temporarily and then, you know, it was clearly dying. And and so that keyboard, um, I'm pretty sure it was of my own fault. I think I spilled something on it. But anyway, that keyboard lasted me a good five, six years. Uh, so, you know, it wasn't a matter of reliability. It, I think it just kind of died out and I do use it literally every single day. But that was an opportunity to get a new one. And so... I don't like buying Apple keyboards at full price just because I feel like they're kind of scamming you on them. Uh, Such a good value, though. (laughs) The price is really, really high um, Mm -hmm. for, you know, what is a bit of plastic, really. Um, So, like, the Apple keyboard, officially Magic Keyboard with Touch ID, i.e. the current generation one. And and I don't get the ones with the number pad. I like the small inline ones. Um, They're $150 brand new from Apple. But my trick is to just buy them on eBay because loads of people buy like iMacs and stuff and then they just come with keyboard accessories or they just have spare keyboards that they resell. Mm -hmm. And so all my previous keyboards have been bought in that way too. Uh, And so I did that and it arrived and I think I paid $70 for it or, you know, in pounds equivalent. So basically half Mm -hmm. the price if you're buying it directly from Apple. And there's like one tiny little scuff on the top left corner, but otherwise it's like perfect. Um, so I'm happy with that. It even came with the woven um, USB-C lightning cable that they come with now. Um, so that was a cool little thing because I've actually seen one of them before. Uh, cool. what, a couple of things. I do like how it feels. It feels a bit clickier than the old one. Um, and then on the Touch ID um, side of life, it's nice having a Touch ID on the external keyboard because I didn't have that on the old one. But it does respond... Uh, like noticeably, It's noticeably slower to uh, scan and unlock compared to the touch id that's integrated into the laptop keyboard so sure, if like the yeah. screen's locked you can unlock the laptop keyboard in like i'd say like a half a second maybe less the external keyboard you put your finger on the thing and it takes like second second and a half so it is noticeably slower obviously it's not the D- D- difference in in wireless versus probably has to send it over wireless yeah and and like the the external keyboard is probably like asleep you know to save power and so then when you put your finger on it it's to like wake up connect to the laptop and do it versus it being directly built in um but it is nice that you don't have to like rescan your fingerprints because it just it just transmits the the reading from the external to the thingy. So you don't have to like set it up again or doing yeah. that or that. You just literally plug it in, and it works great. So that's cool. Yeah. That's cool. Uh, yeah, and and you didn't end up with a color or anything like that. You just got what is the 
silver and white key. Yeah, the, the silver, silver and white one because yeah. they don't sell a black one. That's the small, the small layer. Without they the only sell a yeah. black one with the number pad attached. Uh, so right, that ruled that yeah. out. And the Touch ID model that works with uh, with any Apple Silicon Mac if you're with the Touch ID portion. At least the keyboard part works as a keyboard anyway. But if if you've got any Apple Silicon Mac M1 and, and later, then you can do the Touch ID part. Yeah, even if you're on a desktop. So uh, that that's pretty cool. I've used Touch ID, of course, on the on the notebooks for for since forever. Um, but I've not used an external keyboard with Touch ID on it for a desktop, and I really want one, but a year ago I bought a Keychron 2 kind of clicky keyboard and I'm, and, and it, for ergonomic reasons. And um, I'm like you, I do love the feel of Apple's keyboards, and like they look nice. The build quality is pretty, you know, pretty, pretty good. Um, and, and since they've been rechargeable, you know, rechargeable batteries inside, not eating double A's all the time they, you know they're just they're, it's what you would expect from apple um but uh you know it is a low profile thing and, and it did I, I was having hand cramps probably from just a number of a number of reasons but one thing i did was was get the keychron uh, k2 for just to try to do one more thing to sort of ease that from happening and um i'm really happy with the with with this particular keyboard it's under a hundred dollars um, which is, you know, for 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 Mac accessories, pretty good, I think. Um, I love the way it feels and the way it like sounds. You know, it's so clacky and makes me feel like I'm being productive whenever I'm just like typing out, you know, a, a dumb tweet or something. And uh, only complaints I've got about it are, and I mentioned this whenever I first got it a year ago, but it that it, it it goes to sleep more aggressively, and you can set the amount of time, but. Um, then it eats more battery, and and I don't want to use it wired. Yeah, I, I do. Yeah, the Apple keyboards but... are really good for like never really going asleep or not going to sleep to a yeah. noticeable degree. Like they're always ready and ready to go. Exactly. Yeah. So so that's 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 the my biggest complaint about it is just the how how long it takes to wake back up once it's asleep. It's like it's got to wake up itself, and then it's got to connect again to the Mac. Whereas it seems like the Apple keyboards. Are you know the thing is magic about them is that they they kind of they go to sleep but they're they're always sort of you know connected and uh, I mean on the on the Mac like it shows keyboard disconnected and it shows the icon of a of a generic keyboard which is actually the one that you mentioned with the AA batteries from ten years ago is what they they used to show it but you, and you don't see that disconnect reconnected with a with an Apple keyboard so I guess there's their proprietary stuff but. Um, the other other thing I don't like about it is the is, is backlit. And I just kind of wish it wasn't, or I wish it didn't have these effects that it has. Um, you can do keyboard shortcuts to change the amount of time it gives before it goes to sleep, and change. You can lock in the lighting effect on it, um, and it's got maybe maybe a dozen or so. And all I all I want it to do is either be backlit or be off, and I, I can lock it to be always on, in which case it eats the battery even more, um, or to be not not locked but but to use that one effect but it just so happens that like that the key to change the effect gets pressed so often on accident that i end up having to go through these different modes of of backlight effects that you know are i guess a cool demo but like not very practical yeah um, so those two things frustrate me and i and i really i mean the fact that they sell the silver and and, and black keycaps for the for a magic keyboard you know external for a desktop um with a i really want that but Brand new, brand new. That thing's two hundred dollars for uh, a keyboard, 
And um, I, I don't know if those get uh, – uh, I haven't looked on eBay or anything like that, but $200 is definitely de- – doesn't feel like a great price for um, adding a, a less ergonomic keyboard mostly for the way it looks in Touch ID. Yeah. And I really do want Touch ID, though, because um, it's it's on this Mac Mini now that's, you know, um, I've got my account, my kids have their accounts, and with Touch ID on the Mac since 2016 when when it came to the Mac – uh, when, when when Touch Bar was introduced, they've had this feature where, because the Mac has user profiles, unlike the iPhone or iPad, um, they can they map your fingerprint to your account. So like if my daughter uses Touch ID or if, if I had Touch ID on the, on the keyboard, then it would go right into her account. Um, same thing for me; it would I put in my you know fingerprint and it would go to my account. Um, that's on the on the laptops, but like you tend not to share laptops in the same way in my experience at least so um i don't get the benefit of that but that's that's like the main appeal and i've seen where, where people do you know what our what our friend chaos tian had had shown how to do you know where you extract the touch id sensor mm-hmm. from it and you kind of make it its own um accessory i, I like the i don't i don't really want the challenge of doing that and i also don't want to spend the money just to get touch id because you know i do like the way the keyboards look so if i get one i just would just use it um uh, but yeah, it's kind of it's kind of where I am, but it, the Touch ID part, I am jealous of that for on on the Mac. If only maybe Face ID was a thing on the Mac. Yeah, it would be nice. Would be nice. Yeah, if only they had a nice, you know, two inch wide notch where they could put a Face ID module, for instance. <laughs> um, one one other quick thing on the keyboard, on the way the Magic Keyboard works. I have my uh, laptop on my desk, and I have a gaming PC under the desk, um, which I play games on. But most of the time, it's switched off. And I didn't want to have two separate keyboards uh, to to make that work because that's just annoying. And so rather than getting like a KVM switch, which you, could, which you have to like manually sort out and they glitch out and they don't always work, my solution is I have the Magic Keyboard connect wirelessly uh, to the laptop and then I have it permanently plugged into the Windows PC. So when the Windows PC is switched on, it switches over to doing wired uh, the wired connection. It automatically disconnects from the laptop and it only types to the PC. When the PC is switched off, you just toggle the power and it goes back to wire to wireless only and talks to the Mac. So that's how I get around it. So the without having to have like a separate KVM accessory, you can just kind of fake it just by using the keyboard's um, Bluetooth and non-Bluetooth mode. So that actually works really well, and that works just as well on this one as it did on the previous gen. So. Yeah, a little tip well, out there. People thing, are trying to do it with multiple machines at once. Yeah, one last thing there relating to that. So, so you you've got a Lightning Magic Keyboard. We've seen the Apple TV go from Lightning to USB C on the mm-hmm. on the Siri remote. Um, don't know. May, maybe maybe this year the iMac probably get will with M three and they go USB C with the accessories at the same time. Uh, they probably <laughs> got, will. Yeah. Huh, and I was, and I, to... you know, in a perfect world, I would hold out until then. But I need yeah. the keyboard so I had to buy. It. And at the end of the day, it's just the way that it charges, right? So it's not the yeah, worst and, thing. And in the world. you don't have to charge them that often. So yeah, and I, and I just have one cable at my desk, which is the keyboard cable, right? And it has mm-hmm. lighting on one, and it's USB on the other. So that's what that's what yeah. powers it. But I would expect that this full. Because we're kind of due from like a magic keyboard accessory refresh anyway. Like it's been, you know, that Touch ID one's been around for a few couple of years at this point. So I could imagine, you know, even if maybe the mouse is redesigned, for instance, because the mouse design hasn't changed for ages. Um, <laughs> no. And, and that would really that would really rectify a lot of the memes that fly around every single week. 
Um, yeah. But at the very least, I imagine this fall they'll probably switch over to uh, like the AirPods case and all the Magic keyboard, trackpad, mouse accessories switch to USB C inputs. But I did consider that when I when I made my purchase. Uh, but I was like, it doesn't really matter in the scheme of things. So I've just got to buy this thing and sure. be done with it. Yeah, I mean, you'll spill water on this one or something eventually too. Hey, my last one lasted a good five years, so yeah, five six really, years. Really yeah. good. So you know, every half decade, uh, buy a seventy pound overpriced keyboard uh, second hand, you can get away with it. And then talk about it for work, and then it pays for itself. You know, bing, bing. There we go. <laughs> Happy hour this week is brought to you by Factor. The spring is here, and what's a better time than to start your food journey? with Factor, America's number one ready-to-eat meal kit. Get nutritious, chef-prepared meals delivered to your door. Normally, cooking is just one of the many chores of daily life, but Factor lets you focus on everything else that you have to do on your to-do list. You don't have to worry about cooking. With Factor, you don't need to spend time and energy on all of the usual prep, chop, cooking, serving, and clean-up work. And you can skip a trip to the grocery store. Look and feel your best in time for the warmer weather with calorie smart meals around 550 calories or less. Factors fresh, never frozen meals are ready in just two minutes, so all you have to do is heat and enjoy. Go to factormeals.com/happyhour50 and use promo code happyhour50 to get 50% off your first box. Factor offers 34 meal options each week, including gourmet plus, keto, vegan, veggie, and other options. You'll always have plenty to choose from, prepared by chefs and approved by dietitians. Each meal has all of the ingredients you need to feel satisfied all day long. And having Factor deliver fresh, ready-made meals to your doorstep is cheaper than dining out or getting takeaway. Meals are ready so much faster than waiting for a restaurant delivery in the evening. It takes just two minutes to heat up a Factor meal and it's ready to eat. Now, Zach, I know you got a chance to try out Factor, right? Yes, and I did when my brother was visiting, and so I had a sample of four or five. And um, the thing that I remember the most is we were both sort of competing on. On I had to make sure I, I would try one out before he would get to it, and he would do the you know he'd compete with me because they were really good. Um, and and so I was impressed by that. The two minute prep time is correct. I mean that's great, uh, especially if you want a hot meal but you don't want to. Um, think about you know putting it all together and there's always something new to try with factor enjoy meals for any time of day including breakfast options like egg bites and smoothies and also replenish your snack supply with an assortment of 45 add-on options get factor and enjoy clean eating factor is flavor packed meals without the hassle head to factormeals.com slash happy hour 50 and use code happy hour 50 to get 50 percent off your first box that's code happy hour 50 at factor meals.com slash happy hour 50 to get 50% off your first box thanks to factor for sponsoring the show all right mayo uh, ming si kuo says that the home pod with a seven inch display will, is due from apple in the first half of next year and this sounds like the kind of expansion to the home pod line that is shippable and and the first half of next year seems like pretty reasonable for something that exists from other companies already. Uh, unlike say the, the 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 articulating arm home yeah. pod that fo- follows you around and um, tucks you into bed at night. So this this is I, I like this. I, you know, it's no guarantee that Apple will ever release this, but when Quo says it's coming in the first half of next year, it's pretty pretty good. Uh, pretty pr- probably going to happen. What do you think? Yeah, Quo's pretty good on this stuff. And, you know, um, Bloomberg's Mark Gurman has been talking about Apple's continuing home strategy internally. And, you know, he keeps talking about this combination of 
um, speaker, soundbar, uh, face FaceTime camera, and Apple TV for the living room, uh, which is you know a one one path of expansion in terms of Apple's smart home offerings. But you also need to cover other bases too, because a, a soundbar kind of system is only really going to fit underneath the TV in a living room or a lounge. And you have the HomePod Mini and you have the HomePod, but a very big category of smart speaker to call that the category is ones that have screens on them so smart displays and you know um, amazon echo show is pretty popular especially in places like the kitchen where it makes sense to have some visual indication along with the voice input the voice assistant control for you know seeing the status of timers or looking up recipes or just seeing you know the album art and the progress of your music or your podcast playlist like screens are good and if you have space and people generally do on their like kitchen island or whatever you can have a little speaker that also has a screen on it and it's actually quite useful. And, you know, 7-inch screen is not huge. You know, it's like an iPad mini kind of size. You can easily fit that, fit that on the, the kitchen table and it can provide you information and you can use it, you know, as a, a screen Siri and go back and forth. And a lot of people already, even before, you know, smart assistants really caught on, uh, people would put, like, iPads in the kitchen. They'd have little stands and they just leave them there and you check your recipe on there. It's just, like, the continuation of that as a separate standalone product that also has a speaker in it for, you know, playing music. So, like, you can imagine... And uh, Quo doesn't detail, like, what the sound fidelity would be, what the features would be in, in, in you know, in raw specs. He just mentions the 7-inch display. But I'm kind of imagining, you know, like, speakers, like, somewhere between a HomePod Mini and a big HomePod... But then you also get the screen as well. Um, maybe in the like, you know, $200, $300 price point, that kind of range. Um, so not like the best sound quality, but not the worst sound quality in terms of the HomePod Mini because it's a bigger product, right? So you can imagine like two HomePod Minis stuck together, something along that range, maybe with a bit of a bass response too. But the big draw to this product would be the screen part. And you can kind of see that they kind of have all of the ingredients already like they don't really need to have a completely separate operating system to make this work they could probably adapt um either ios and just basically only have it launch into like a siri interface and you know everything that you see visually with siri right now when you summon the siri overlay you could imagine that just being the operating system and they have all those you know cards and details built out or if they wanted to go a bit more sophisticated they could probably adapt tvos the like the tvos ui because that has like obviously it's meant to be controlled with a remote, but it could still like all of the UI elements on TVOS are pretty touch friendly. They're just like because everything's bigger because it's normally projected on a ten foot display, so stuff has to like UI elements have to be bigger if you be able to see them from afar. But if you just shrunk that down to a seven inch screen, you could imagine easily doing you know swiping, tapping, and you could bring up music, and obviously you have the Siri part as well. And like they would have to add and you know make a few more apps like notes or reminders or timers because obviously like tvs doesn't have like a clock app and things um but you could almost kill two birds with one stone like make a clock app for the home pod with a screen then also ship it on the apple tv as well because clock app would be quite useful there so i feel like there's a very easy path to get this product out the door and it's not a crazy complicated thing it doesn't require you know cross-functional integration from apple's different teams like the robot arm or the you know combo speakers uh camera system soundbar thing would be you just take you know stick two point home home point minis together and put a screen on it and very minor um adaptations of their existing software stack to make it happen so i think it makes a ton of sense we've kind of been waiting for them to do this for forever and so maybe next year is finally the time for it
Yeah, a few thoughts uh, from me on this. I, I recall the Facebook portal being the first time for me, at least, where I saw um, something that is a camera that pans and zooms around by uh, as, as you move around or, or people join you in the frame and it expands out um, for video calling. And that was adopted by Apple in the form of center stage. And that's on the iPad. It's on the studio display. So, and that's... That's a nice FaceTime feature, especially. Um, I think this would, you know, this thing has got to have video calling. It's got to have that center stage feature because, like, if you see it, it's like it's the Facebook portal, but it's got FaceTime that you actually use and and not just Messenger video chat or or, or whatever um, Amazon, you know, manages to do. Uh, So so that's pretty cool. Uh, I wonder about the screen quality. So, uh, if, if if you think about it as like a, an iPad that isn't stationary, you know, you look at the the iPad 10, which is 450. You go down from that, and you've got the the ninth gen that's I think it's 330. Um, and you take away like the the battery and cam, well, the back camera at least, and um, may, maybe it, it, because it's not 10 and a half inches or 10 inches or however big the iPad is now it's seven inches. It's like a lower quality iPad air that, you know, isn't actually a, a tablet. Then how much would this thing cost? And I kind of think about it, like, probably like HomePod pricing, but HomePod mini sound quality. That That's what I would, I would mm-hmm. predict. Uh, um, and, and yeah, I mean, you don't, this isn't the kind of thing that you'd have all throughout your house. Maybe you, you have one in your bedroom and you had one in the kitchen and, um, that that's pretty cool. The the voice stuff though they and I go I go back to Hulu Live TV having voice control on a, on an Amazon Echo uh, show you know voice controlled screen um, and that you can say what channel to watch or you know we drop in so you, you can't do that with Siri on Apple TV or on the iPad so having something like that for 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 this I think would be important because you. You don't want to have to touch this thing. If you're using the kitchen, you know, your hands are, are, are you, you don't want to touch it as you're preparing food and everything. And so, um, yeah, yeah, I, I like that it exists uh, or that, that it will. It's it's happening. Um, it also, another thing I think about is it's happening at the same time as the headset. And the headset is like, do all these things, um, you know, that, that there's a lot of overlap and how you might want to use this, like, you know, and you're not multitasking whenever you're using the headset. It's like a dedicated experience, but uh, with this, you are. Um, and and it's, this is more practical, I think, and more appealing. And just it's a proven market, app, you know, in terms of at least the utility of it. I don't know how the business side of it is, but um, the the Amazon version and the Google version of this stuff already exists, and it's you know you want it's nice and yeah. And I don't and, think and they even, sell in like huge numbers, but they definitely sell right. in like you know single digit million kind of territories. Like they're more popular than irrelevancy. Yeah, and, and and even just having this little thing be your your you know be a HomeKit hub in the sense that it's a place where you can see the home app without it being on an iPad mounted to your wall um, or a shared device. You know if you've you just want to have something that's always there, and you you know tap around on it or um, check in on video. You know the, the doorbell rings, you see it on that screen there. You glance over at it. That that's all pretty cool. Um, so I hope it exa- You know I, I I hope I want to know more about this thing. Obviously, being about a year away from 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 shipping, we don't know much besides it's coming and it's going to have a seven inch screen. But there's a lot of 
things to learn about it. Like how thick is it? What, you know, is that how they make it cheaper? Do they, do they want to make it as ugly looking as, as some of the, uh, at least Amazon products are, or do they, do they make the screen quality so, you know, higher and that makes it pricier and unappealing? And what, I want to know more about well, like aspect ratio is a question, right? Because sure. you know, the iPad mini had a 7.9 inch display originally, and that was still way bigger than the 6.7 inch of a, like an iPhone Pro Max, right? Just because the aspect ratio is different. So just saying the screen diagonal um, doesn't necessarily tell you how big it is. Like, because sure. the, the form factor of an iPhone is still different to the older style iPad mini. Um, so you could have like a very small seven inch screen, i.e. just, you know, just for timers and stuff like that. It doesn't have to be a huge, great thing because um, just for context on pricing and obviously Apple stuff generally costs more expensive, but just to give some sort of baseline, the Amazon Echo Show 10, which is a 10 inch tablet with a speaker attached to it, is $260. So that's how much that's where that comes in. And so that has a bigger screen than what the Apple ones rumored to have. And it has articulation. So the display part is on like a little arm that's attached to the base which is the speaker and so the it rotates to face you where you are in the room and i don't think the apple version necessarily has to have that to be useful it could just be fixed in place static thing um which you just mm-hmm. you know tilt yourself and you just leave it there so i think there's a there's a easy path for them to make like a 200 dollars 250 dollars version uh that just has a screen is, is yeah where, where i'm i'm thinking but yeah yeah totally i look forward to this thing existing uh, next up, we've got some stuff about Apple's headset. This comes from a report from the Financial Times. Uh, so what's this report say? It, it, the, the gist of it, I guess, is that uh, uh, operations is is uh, you know running the show over at Apple, and that design isn't isn't what it used to be in terms of of, of their pool, um, and and that there's this sort of a designers say don't ship this this headset as, as it stands at all, and and, and operations. Doesn't care? Yeah. What's, what's <laughs> yeah, kind of. Like, it kind of feeds into the narrative that, you know, the operations group and the executives are taking more and more control over the, you know, Apple as a company compared to the old structure, which was unusual in the sense that design, like, overruled everything. And, you know, you go back to the Steve Jobs days and, you know, Steve Jobs was the most powerful person in the company. And then the second most powerful of the company, according to Steve Jobs, was Johnny Ive, right? So, and the industrial design group would, like, invent the products and then they'd be like hello operations we need to figure out how to make this thing and they'd go and figure it out and then i guess sometimes it wouldn't be possible and they wouldn't ship it and sometimes it would be but clearly you know 10 years into tim cook's reign that hierarchy has changed and there's definitely more you know some would say bureaucracy others would say just like collaboration where it's less dictatorial from the design department and more operations and you know the executive team being like we think we should do this design team can you make something that does this or you know make it look pretty and you know figure it out and the interactions and stuff it's less of the design group ruling ruling overall which is positive and negative right because the design group led by Johnny I have had a lot of successes but they also had misses so you can't just say unilaterally that this is good or bad uh, and I think the Financial Times report is somewhat blurring conversations that we've heard before. Because, like, you go back a couple of years and there was reporting from the information and Bloomberg and stuff that Johnny um, wanted a thin and light, independent AR device and the um, special projects group had built this thing with a base station and a big bulky headset and there was a compromise and a debate and discussion and eventually it went ahead, but... 
Some people said that a compromise was the front-facing display that would show the user's eyes as a way to, you know, make the product less isolating, etc., etc. So, like, some of this, I think, is just an exaggeration of talks that probably go on day-to-day as normal, but it does just kind of hype up the narrative a little bit that, like, you know, you look at that leadership page, as we talked to, as we talked about before, you don't see a single design VP listed at all. You see multiple people that deal with operations. And clearly, Jeff Williams is taking more... Um, agency over the overall company um, in terms of what's happening and like the Apple Watch you know he led a lot of the Apple Watch development uh, which was Apple's last major new product category and it seems like he's deeply involved with the headset as well so um, that's that like obviously the Financial Times report says that they that the design group or at least members of the design team thought that the idea of a fully encapsulated AR VR mixed reality headset was silly and not getting not going anywhere and apple should instead wait until they can do you know the utopian thin and light ar glasses kind of product which all intents and all all reports show that apple is still working on that project it's just far off into the future because the technology isn't available today to make that happen and so the financial change basically says that the design group were like look this ar headset thing you know this vr headset thing it's not going to go anywhere it's stupid why are we even doing this we shouldn't do this we should only you know keep working on the the long-term moonshot of getting thin and light air glasses available but that would be you know another five years down the line and then members of the executive team operations quote-unquote were like we're not going to wait that long. We're going to ship this thing. We still think it's a good enough experience. And so the proof will be in the pudding of when, when this thing arrives, whether it's actually like impressive, useful, niche, you know, success. Or, you know, it depends what parameters of success you consider important. Because as we've spoken about before, this first generation headset is going to be expensive. It's going to be niche just because it's expensive. And so it really is a matter of taste whether it makes sense for apple to ship it at all or wait till they had something more consumer friendly available and i don't think we can really make a conclusion on that until the thing's released and they frame it and they they give us the spiel but i think there's to say that like what the operations are definitely doing the wrong thing as the financial time is kind of biased towards at least in this report would also be wrong because it seems highly um it seems like a big misstep to completely ignore the entire ARVR market for another five years, at least until you know. It's a, it's at least a five year horizon for those for the glasses idea to be viable, and so does Apple really want to sit on the sidelines for another five years while you know Meta and other companies have these headsets, getting some play, getting some market share, getting developer interest. At some point, I feel like you've kind of got to join in, and maybe it's not the best timing. But when is the best time? And like other, just because with every other product they've released, they've managed to have that perfect cross section of um, the technology's ready and the consumer market fit is ready. It doesn't mean that's always going to happen. And they do release smaller scale products from time to time. It just depends how they frame it, right? Like look at the Pro Display XDR. You know, they released that as a high end expensive product for pros. And, you know, it's nice, but it had flaws and it wasn't mass consumer. And then people, you know, it was it was marketed that way, and it was given that that level of in, of interest. And so, I think they could very easily come out with this first generation Apple Reality Pro headset in a similar way to that, with a view to being more mass consumer down the road. But it doesn't. It, it depends how they frame it. That's the problem. Like when they do have their event where they announce this thing, if they come out all guns blazing like they did with the iPad or the Apple Watch, they're setting themselves up for failure. But if they frame it in the right way and they say, "Look, 
you know, here's this thing, it's really impressive, but we kind of acknowledge that it's for a certain niche audience, at least right now, and then a year after, a year or two after, they come out with one that's half the price, and that's still $1,500, you know, so it's still hard to convince mass consumer at that level, but then maybe in another two years, they can do one that's a third the price, and then maybe another couple of years after that, they can do glasses which are socially acceptable, cheaper, functional, and, and the rest, so... It's easy to um, spit fire before you've shipped something, you know? Yeah. You know, it'd be amazing if this thing comes out uh, soon and, and it doesn't require a, a battery to be in your, you know, attached to the thing. And, and it's actually is way, all, all the things that are coming out about I, it, the battery know, thing, I don't think is a huge blocker either way. No. Right. No, yeah. um, because it's, it's the state of things right now. Yeah. Like, right. And if it, if it only had an integrated battery, the battery life would be short, so you'd have to constantly charge it, i.e. you're tethered to a cable to charge it, right? So if it has a separate battery pack, they can probably, you know, push out a couple of extra hours. And I kind of imagine, and we'll, we'll have to wait until it's official to know for sure, but I can imagine that maybe it has, like, two modes. One mode is where you have a battery pack plugged in, and it can do this, this, and this, and it can last a bit longer. And then it has another mode, which is in a simpler stripped-down version, where it uses an integrated battery. Maybe that's a, maybe that's a route that they'll, that they'll explore. But... I don't think the bat. The, let me put it this way: the 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 existence of like a a battery in your pocket while you've got the headset on connected via a cable that's not going to be the thing that makes this thing a success or a failure. The price alone is enough to make it a non mass consumer product this time around. Uh, that's before you even talk about ergonomics, design, look, you know, anything else. It's the price alone is enough of a blocker. Yeah. If if what are the three things that the headset that they're going to market it as for? What do you what do you, what do you think on that? Well, I think they're going to try for intimate one-to-one FaceTime calls, right? They're probably going to try for, you know, 3D experiences, like apps kind of like, you know, learning, watching game, like watching movies, like dinosaur, you know, 3D dinosaurs in your room, exploring architecture, and then maybe some game stuff, maybe. Yeah, yeah. I, I was thinking about this in terms of, what the 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 cost? It's, say it's three thousand dollars. You know, it's rumored. So, um, say it's three thousand dollars. That's kind of a non-starter for a lot of people for a thing that you're not even sure what why you 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 needed or wanted or what you could gain from having it. Um, I think that that'll change once we once we see. Uh, you know, people might feel differently, but just 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 on that, I was thinking. You know, entertainment's got to be a big one for it and and not just in the way that you can do what you could do on your ipad or your apple tv but um it's this is where you get an entire different experience you know where you you know if you've got tv plus content that's being made for this thing that's um you know optimized for this thing in terms of being immersive and and um 360 view and everything then that's cool if if you've got sports it doesn't sound like they're gonna have out the gate have a great story to tell with sports where it's like you you've got you can you can watch the nfl and 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 vr and have you know that immersive experience you can watch an nba game it all seems like that's something that could happen in the future but at launch it won't be ready and and it's going to be you're going to be able to watch soccer in this vr experience uh maybe not even that like i mean they're they're streaming soccer in not 4k so it shows you know like they don't have the technical the technical infrastructure maybe you'll be able to see like one game in one stadium as like an example but Mm -hmm. the chick the content problem is another whole dimension to this um yeah because it's just expensive and complicated to be able to 
you know, synthesize information. I can imagine they might do some like filmed Apple Music concerts, right? That can be done in that kind of you know mm-hmm. full three D yeah. immersive experience, going all the way back to the next VR acquisition um, and stuff like that. But I, I, as it stands today, it's hard to see partnerships the way they'll have consistent virtual reality content for you to enjoy which then feeds back into the whole idea that this first generation isn't going to be a big consumer product anyway so it does does that matter yeah yeah the the facetime stuff the, there's some things that this thing that, that a headset is going to be better at doing um the facetime stuff it doesn't sound like it's one of them it sounds like you'll you'll have a version of it that's tuned you know it is tuned to not being a camera in front of you and, and the other person you know, but um, a, a recent a it was either Bloomberg information report said that Apple had hyper realistic body and face avatars that you can do one on one FaceTime calls with. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, if if they have got like a really high fidelity avatar, they are going to push that because that is a differentiating factor because you try and do those kind of, um, you know, conferences on like the, the Facebook products and you get like a thing that looks like a, a Wii avatar, a me from 2007. Um and and like it looks white, like it's not, we're not talking about Momoji here. We're talking about like a a realistic person. And if they can pull that off, and it and it actually looks like the other person's in the room with you, and it doesn't look like some weird uncanny valley mess, that will be a really impressive thing. And they'll want to push it just for that reason because that just feels like to me over over engineering uh, solution to a problem that we don't have. I don't. Well, just, I mean, less intimate than an actual video call. I think it, it if they can do, pull it off properly. I think it will be better than a video call. Do I think it will be way better than a video call that everyone's going to rush out and do it? Mm, that's a different question. But from a, like a technological demo perspective, they will 100% push that. Even like it's not, and this isn't just like a, you know, Tim Cook. will. Like, like this is a thing Apple would have done 10 years ago. They ha- if, they can, if they've actually pulled that off and it actually looks good, they will push that. Uh, just like they pushed, you know, writing um, scribble notes on on your watch when they announced the, the Apple this, Watch. Like, that aspect of it feels like the like too clever, too cute for its own good kind of thing, where this is something that's, a, you know, if, if they do that with FaceTime, where they've got, you know, realistic avatars of one-on-one conversations, then it seems like who's asking for that in, in the way that, you know, that that was a whole button on the Apple Watch that went away and became just a multitasking button. Um this feels like that to me. Well, then what else yeah. is left? Well, so I think about it in terms of um, the, the cost compared to uh, a, a season, you know, season tickets for a football game or, or an NFL team. Um, you know, you could spend a couple, you know, thousands of dollars on, on, on seats, uh, on mediocre seats. At those, same thing with concerts. Concerts are pretty difficult right now because of Ticketmaster. We all know that. Um, so if you can get... None of these are going to be better than being there in person, but they they can be better than watching it on a flat TV. So so those things I think are compelling. The the, the movie experience like if they, if they have content for it, then the the movie experience can be good. Um, even even if it's not just like like super, you know, this is made for. Um, looking all around you in all directions like to a point that's kind of gimmicky but it's, if it's just it's all it's like you're watching it's just simulating a, a, a cinema screen in front right. of you yeah right 
Yeah, like you're not going to look behind you and see what would be on the other side of that if you're there. But like you've, in all of your view, peripheral vision and everything, you see what you would you would see almost if you were there. That stuff's that that's compelling. It, it's the communication stuff that seems like we think we think people will want to use this. We want this to become a thing, and this is how we're we're getting around like that. Um, the thing that I think is is also will also be good is like the fitness stuff. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, uh, with Fitness Plus, you've got um you know, trainer led classes. Uh, I think about their products like the, um, the mirror, you know, where it's, it's, it's you, it's your trainer and uh, project, you know, it's, it's kind of a sci-fi remote experience um, in terms of about how I'm training, you know, at home workout experience. And I think this can, you can push those things. Um, I, I, I don't think it's super compelling if you say, you know, in, just in general, like kind of wave hands, AR um, in the way that, in in previous years with that with with ios releases you've seen you know look at this ar demo They're, they'll certainly do that but i don't think those are the things that are going to click for this thing it, it's the you know this is like a more immersive version of my of my tv or this is a an, an actually economical way to have a you know a good experience at a concert or a sporting event without being there if you can't be there um, those things i think are, are compelling to me if anything and um it's like I don't see this headset being a more compelling gaming console than what you get out of something from PlayStation. You know, it's, they uh, run of the graphical it, power to match the right games. Right, right. So yeah, well, let me put it this I, way: right, if sure, you're pessimistic yeah. on finding use cases, then you kind of mm-hmm. side with the FT's view that they shouldn't bother with it and they should have waited until they can make eye glasses, which is a more compelling offering. So yeah. Yeah, well, no, I, 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 the the price is wild, but it's it's also if you look at what Meta does with 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 their higher end VR headset, it's you know it's 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 a premium version of even that, so it's it's believable. I mean, it would be nice if this thing comes out and it's not three thousand dollars. If it's two thousand dollars, it would be like, whoa, it's a third of what we expected, and still um, too expensive to be mass consumer. It's still too expensive, yeah. right? Yeah, to be mass consumer, but. Um, like, like everyone compares of... it to the iPad, right? The original iPad, where the rumors was the Apple tablet was going to be a thousand dollars, and then it came yeah. out four ninety nine, and that was like, wow, you know, that makes a big difference in terms of how people think about it. But you know, if this headset's rumored at three thousand, and somehow it magically comes out fifteen hundred, still too expensive to be practical. Like the the MetaQuest Pro is is sixteen hundred, and people think that's right, expensive, yep. right? And even the MetaQuest non non Pro is like three hundred dollars, and only a couple million people have bought that so far. Like it's a burgeoning early startup market with limited appeal, limited use cases, and a lot of gimmicks. And I think you know Apple's not going to be able to sidestep that with something unbelievable. They're going to have to really have something in the can that is you know no one can think of to to not have it just be like a product which is like oh that's neat and you know you can do some stuff with it. But then generally people aren't going to buy it. Like that's where I'm coming from, and that's why I think as long as they frame it and position it. In that context, you know, it's the beginning of a new era for us in this category. Like they can hype it up and be like, "We've, you know, we brought together the best of design and silicon and to bring this incredible product to you." But if they, they, you know, they said similar superlatives about the Pro Display XDR. But the way you talk about it, people get it. It's like, oh, okay, you know, this is going to be low quantity. This is going to be a, a beginning, and then a few years after that, we'll have a better version. And a few years after that, we'll a better version, and then here's the thing that's going to take over the world, right? Like. Mm. If they come out all guns blazing with this thing, 
and then say it's going to change the face of technology forever and it's not going to do that it's going to be viewed as a disappointment so they they shouldn't come out with it in that way um whether they do or not like they can't the problem is they can't resist the temptation to say everything's a revolution Uh, and so they might fall into their own they might be hoisted by their own petard in that in that respect but we'll have to wait and see yeah last thing on this for me is that i I could see them not pushing as much on all of the consumer entertainment things because there's not as much ready there but you see that you know as this thing's presented you see them saying this is how the next generation of astronauts are preparing for you know working on the moon um with, with these simulators and this is how yep. um, you know pilots are learning how to fly, and, and these, these sorts of things. They show they show those like really professional use cases of this that are not like, huh? Though that's not really for me though, um, in terms of like the consumer thing. And, the, and then it, this is really just that like almost enterprisey product for now. And then it's this isn't like, like what we're all talking about and, and looking you know kind of hyping before it is here. Uh, it, a lot of the the if there's enthusiasm here, it, it will probably be before the thing that follows it. You know, the, the more consumer version product of this that isn't it as you know power hungry and everything. Yeah, and and we'll and, and, we'll and, and, yeah. and in opposition to the FT's position, you could say that if they come out with this high end expensive thing now, it then gives runway for content creators, developers to start making stuff. With the idea that, you know, in a few years' time, there'll be something that people actually use it on. Whereas if you don't come out with anything for five years and then you come out with a product, you've then got the, the content problem five years later when you actually have a thing that would otherwise be compelling. So mm-hmm. yep. that might be the argument that Cook and Williams took, for instance, that means they're pushing ahead with this thing. I also think it's just true there is a pressure for Apple to ship something entirely new because it's been a while. And mm-hmm. they are a big company. They can, unlike in the days of the iPhone... Apple of today can afford to do bets of, you know, billions of dollars of magnitude for something that is just like a trophy product that isn't really going to be a big seller for a long time. Like, you can't compare it to Apple of 10 years ago when they did the iPad or the phone or whatever else. Even even Apple with the Apple Watch. Like, they're a way bigger company than even then, from 2015. Like, they, they make TV shows, for instance, right? They have a whole arm that's spending billions of years on content. Um that is a very slow upstart group that only has a few million subscribers, right? Like, they can easily afford to have massive divisions like this um, and and ship something that is niche appeal with a view for the future. Like, it's an investment for the long term. They can easily position it that way. Um, and, and as long as they do that, I think it will be received okay. But people have to just, like, chill out a bit, you know? Like, Apple has had some truly game-changing consumer revolutionary products. The iPod, the iPhone... Don't know if you'd classify the iPad in there a bit. You can do. And I'd even say the Apple Watch, right? Like, the Apple Watch was a small revolution the iPhone, but it was still a revolution. I think, based on all we know right now, the headset is going to be way smaller than the Apple Watch has been, even five years on, right? Like, it will take a while. But that's fine. They're a big company. They can afford to do that kind of stuff. And I think it would be somewhat irresponsible for them to not bother. Like, if you're only going to do things, and even Eddie Q has a quote similar to this that he did in an interview not too long ago. If you're only going to do things that are as impactful on the world as the iPhone, you would never make another product. Like, there's nothing that competes with that. It's just the iPhone was a was an enigma. And it was a really great thing, and they continue to make it better and better. And the success of the iPhone allows them to make these, you know, expansions into these smaller niches and maybe in 10 years time thin and lightweight air glasses can replace the iphone completely and apple will be ready for it right but until that's happening we have these these 
you know, for lack of a better word, tech demos that come in between. And maybe some people are buying like Enterprise or whatnot. Yeah, I'm sure we'll talk about this more before it comes out. And after it comes out. <laughs> I don't know about that. <laughs> Happy Hour This Week is also brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs. Every potential new hire can feel like a high-stakes wager for your small business. You want to be 100% certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates available so you can make a decision with confidence. And that's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs is here to make it easier to find the people you want to talk to faster and for free. LinkedIn is just so ubiquitous. My brother started his first job out of university recently. And I know that, for instance, LinkedIn was one of the places that you went through. Everybody uses it. So go on LinkedIn Jobs at linkedin.com slash happy hour and create a free job post in just minutes. Making a post is really easy. You get started with the job title, description, place of work and employment type. And you also list the necessary skills that you're looking for. And when you add your job post, you can add the job and the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word even more to signal directly that you're hiring and boosting the reach across your personal network so they can help you connect to the right people professionally. When you make the job post, add screening questions to filter and focus on the candidates with just the right skills and experience for what you're looking for, so you can target the most qualified applicants and quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. And that's just some of the reasons why small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs the number one job site in delivering quality hires compared to the leading competition. So find the right team member who can accelerate your business's growth. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the candidates you want to talk to faster post your job for free at linkedin.com slash happy hour that's linkedin.com slash happy hour to post your job for free terms and conditions apply thanks to linkedin jobs for sponsoring the show all right uh, what's the latest from mark Herman in his newsletter I, I know he's talking about uh, some departures from apple and what it could mean yes so he basically he's had a few news stories about executive departures and then he kind of ran it up into a newsletter thing, basically pointing to the fact that, and I think other people had spotted this too, like there's been a lot of stories recently about people leaving in, in vice president and executive roles at Apple. I think the biggest was the departure of Peter Stern, who was Apple's um, VP of services and was widely seen as about to take over Eddie Q's role as a senior vice president. But for whatever reason, in January, he decided to leave. Um, and that's you know caused a shakeup in the services group. But more recently, we've also seen Apple's cloud vice president um, Mike Abbott depart, with Jeff Robbins from iTunes taking over the sales um, VP in charge of emerging markets. Hugues Assisman also saw his role change up uh, as he left and is now taken over by subordinates. Uh, German also lists that the online store vice president was was replaced by an underling. Um, Tony Blevins, who ran procurement, obviously departed last year as a result why? of what the happened? yeah. Why? As a result of the he's kind of a separate case, right? Because he had a you know the, yeah. the whole TikTok the whole TikTok nonsense thing. Um, but other people, hardware executives have departed. You know, long term people, software VPs have also departed that have important roles. And like, is this a systemic problem? Is it a factor of Apple's? engineers and employees have just been there for a long time and they're getting older and so they're getting bored or they're looking to retire like or is it the fact that apple just isn't exciting and cool anymore like there's probably a bit of everything in there like you look at apple's executive team a lot of people have left over the last 10 years because a lot of people have just been there a long time and they did their work and they did their time and they made a lot of money and they contributed some great things they made an impact on the world and then they don't want the stress anymore, so they leave and they go and do something else. And 
you can't like what's apple gonna do people get older and they come into that role like you know and if they don't get older then they stay there for longer and if they stay there for longer then people complain that they're not getting changed up because they've been there a long time so like in some ways you can't win but i do agree there has been a bit of a trend in just headline after headline of big important vp is now leaving i think maybe a factor is money right and if you look at stock prices a lot of these executives a lot of their compensation comes through um stock grants and 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 options and when the stock goes down it means they're less valuable and obviously all tech stocks have plummeted a lot in the last couple of, in the last year and a half or so and so a lot of people that were making a lot a lot of money are now making less money and maybe they're getting poached to go to other places like startups and stuff that pay more especially at the engineering you know the lower tier engineering levels apple is not the person the company known to pay the most money they they believe they have a stature and a, and a provenance that means they don't need to pay the most because people will come and work there for the experience for the title for the fact that they're working at apple right like a lot of the startups you know netflix meta snapchat tiktok like companies like that they pay like hundreds of thousands of dollars more for software engineers compared to what apple does it's just a reality um but you know apple's it, that's no different to how apple's done that for their entire lifetime you go back a decade it was still exactly the same it's just culturally different um i i don't think it's necessarily like a you know you have to you have to wave the white flag like this is really really bad i think a lot of it is just unfortunate coincidence of timing a lot of people are getting older at the same time and they're all leaving at once and i don't think we've seen the end of it obviously tim cook has signaled he's going to be retiring within the decade uh in this report um german notes that he has stocks uh stocks stock um agreements vesting all the way up until 2027 so he probably isn't going to leave until about 2027 because otherwise he's just leaving money on the table um but you know he's got a lot of money and he's not like super it doesn't seem like he super cares about money too much so maybe he wants to, if he wanted to leave tomorrow i guess he would just do it um but well, if you look at this pay cut, yeah, yeah, if, yeah he just took a pay cut yeah <laughs> if you look at the if you look at the vesting shares he it would generally indicate that he's not leaving to about 2027 but it's not just tim kirk you look at a lot of the executive team i think a lot of them are you know kind of on the way out like they're just getting older the direct the current you know person set to replace tim kirk Jeff Williams, he's only three years younger than Tim Cook. So, like, even if he does take over, he's only going to be there for a very short period of time and he's going to want to retire as well. So this is just a a problem that they've got, a problem of human resources that they don't really have a weight of, you know, you can't wave a magic wand to make people younger. Like, you just have to hope that they're training up lower the, the, the lower ranks um, mm-hmm. to be able to take over effectively. And then when you hear about some of the VPs leaving, you do wonder that maybe they're not setting up the environment too well because if they were setting up well most you know vps would become senior vice presidents eventually but on the flip side of that only 12 people can be svps at the end of the day right like there's only a fixed number of slots and there are more vps than there are svps by 10 to 1 at least yeah, yeah. and so you know you it's like the pigeonhole problem you can't fit everybody into an svp role it's just not possible Yep. So, so it's uh, a big it's a big spaghetti mess of things but i did just want to like highlight the the recent trend i'd say within about a you know four or five month period i say we've had multiple reports every single month of important person leaving apple so mm-hmm. maybe we won't know the re- maybe there's maybe it's just all coincidental maybe there's some toxic reason that we're just not aware of yet or who knows yeah and then there's news in india that there's a report that um sounds like apple's looking at india as you know They've been looking at India for a long time. It's like obviously it's a gigantic market that they've not been able to take over. Um, but 
it seems like you, you might you might see you know focus from China be more like focused on India now. I mean, obviously, it's not one or the other, but um, it seems like the India um, ramp is is tuning up. Yeah. So previously, um, Apple's VP structure had like an emerging markets VP, um, which is quite a wide role. Doesn't include Asia. Um, they had a China, they had a separate China VP, but emerging markets included like all those European countries and India and stuff. But basically, now they've formally split the role to a separate managing director of India and a European director. And the idea being that they're going to try and replicate the success they've had in China inside of India by giving it separate leadership, giving it a separate department, basically, and giving it you know the focus it really needs. Um, obviously. Making Apple products successful in India is a lot harder than just having a new VP in charge, right? Like the the Indian wages, the Indian economy is a lot weaker than a lot of the developed world, and people just people's salaries are you know relatively low, and so they can't afford expensive Apple stuff so much. Um, but in time, the hope is that you know the Indian economy will evolve and it will accelerate and it will become more like a developed country. And as that happens, Apple will be there to sell them stuff. That's the that's the hope, at least. There's a lot of things happening too, like um, Apple complying with regulations of you know you, to 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 sell here, you need to make things here. Um, yeah, because there's like a thirty percent tax for imports. Mm-hmm. So before the iPhone would cost thirty percent more just because it had to be imported from China. Now they right. build iPhones directly inside of India to sell to Indian customers, so they can be proportionally 30 percent less expensive but even with that even with that there they're still expensive by relative to you know the general indian wage yeah and and from the indian government perspective i think that's totally reasonable i mean you 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 want your nation to benefit from not not just this you know corporation benefiting from your nation so uh, yeah um and let's talk about some apple tv stuff before we go so you you i know everyone can't read our iMessages in the way that I can but and you can but you you did message me I think a few weeks ago and you're telling you gave me your um uh, predictions for for what awards Apple might win um and at the Oscars so how'd that go well I was correct but it wasn't like a huge man <laughs> it wasn't like a crazy a crazy um prediction because they weren't up for a lot of categories because they you know their 2022 slate didn't really have anything substantive in terms of awards recognition apart from the potential for emancipation starring Will Smith, which was seen as a big Oscars candidate going into 2022. But, you know, after the March slap incident, uh, those those predictions quickly faded and, you know, emancipation got almost no recognition from um, awards bodies uh, as a result, as you probably would expect when its star commits an act like that on live TV. But that meant that Apple's film slate for last year didn't really have anything that really compelled the voting bodies to give them awards like they had some fun films and like i like the um the greatest bee run ever and stuff but like it was never going to be a an oscar film you know you can just tell what kind of things aren't and so they had nominations for best animated short film uh in the christmas um co-production with the bbc the boy the male the fox and the horse and they also had a nomination for Best Supporting Actor for Brian Tyree Henry for Causeway. That's the film also that also stars Jennifer Lawrence. Um, but that category of Best Supporting Actor was also dominated by... was Going in, going into the Oscars like voting and stuff, people didn't expect Brian Tyree Henry to win. 
people were expecting Ki Kwon from Everything Everywhere All at Once, which obviously dominated Oscars this year, to win, and he sure enough did, so Apple lost out. But I did say that Apple's probably going to win Best Animated Short, because mm-hmm. if you look at animated shorts, there wasn't another one that was being um, campaigned by a big company, and the Academy is quite... Um, let's say, can easily con- persuaded by campaigns for estimated shorts because a lot of them don't watch the shorts anyway. They just go on based on the ones they've heard or the parties they've been to or, you know, someone sent them a freebie. So, um, and th- to be fair, Apple's Apple's um, contribution, you know, The Boy, the Mother, Fox and the Horse is pretty good. It's pretty pretty good family affair. It was aired on Christmas Day on the streaming service um, and, it, you know, had it was pretty odds on to win and it sure enough did. So at the 2022 Oscars, um, Apple won the highest award possible Best Picture with Coda. At the 2023 Oscars, uh, they just won Best Animated Short Film. But, you know, you take what you can get. They pro- if, if, the Os- if the Will Smith situation had gone differently, Emancipation probably had a much better shot at least being nominated. Uh, and they're not going to be able to repeat the Best Picture performance every single year. It's just un- unrealistic to expect that. Most people think it was unrealistic in a way to expect they'd win it this quickly already. So getting it last year was almost a big, you know, tick off the box. Um, but going into the 2023 season, i.e. for the Oscars that would air in 2024, they have much better signs of, you know, top top awards eligibility with stuff like Killers of the Flower Moon from Michael Scorsese and um, Ridley Scott's Napoleon. So they they you know this 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 year slate will be a lot stronger. But um, for 2023, they got a win for. The Boy, the Mother, the Fox, and the Horse, and nothing else. Mm-hmm. Yep. All right, and then some more things. The Ted Lasso season three premiered. This is the first time they're doing a Wednesday release for Ted Lasso, at least. And um, that is really like Tuesday night in the US. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because it's like nine Eastern. I think it comes out. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, I'm pretty sure they're they're mainly doing Wednesday just because they're trying to have so many releases at the moment to fit in mm-hmm. before the Emmys deadline that. They would have like if they didn't do these Wednesday um, dates, they would have that's in April. They would have like nine shows premiering new episodes all at once on Fridays. So I think they've kind of considered that to be too much. So now they're doing some on Wednesdays, including um, obviously their most popular show yet in Ted Lasso. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and you saw the first episode, it. right? I did see the first episode. You liked it, or that's all right. Or... Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it, you know, yeah, yeah. I, I think generally. The first episode of every Ted Lasso season has a lot of like setup and preparation, and uh, yeah. it doesn't seem like this one is is any different to that. Yeah, I bet it's a good binge. Yeah. Well, but we can't you have to wait because they're doing one episode a week through. That's right. Not, not even three up front. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you've got listed here that the Silo trailer is awesome. Let's go. Yes, 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 yes. So this is a trailer they released about a week and a half ago. Now we just didn't get time to talk about it in the previous episode. Silo is an adaptation of the Wool book series from Hugh Howie. He was an independent author who made a sci-fi series and it became very popular and suddenly got a deal and stuff. And it, it took like a decade, but now it's being adapted for television uh, and it's coming out in May. And I've been waiting for news on this for a while and they they randomly dropped a teaser trailer and it looks really, really good. So I'm looking forward to that coming out in May. Uh, I like Except- Apple's sci-fi stuff has been pretty good, I'd say. And this definitely looks promising, so... I am nice. very excited for it. Extrapolations comes out on Friday, the first episode, so I'm looking forward to watching that. Um, I already did my Ted Lasso for the week, so there's that. Uh, Sh- Shrinking is, I think, my f- is definitely my favorite Apple TV Plus show to watch right now. Uh, I'm going to be sad when, when the first season ends. Yeah, um, I think that's episode nine this Friday, mm-hmm. and so mm-hmm. the finale will be next week. 
Okay. But um, but we did have news that it's been renewed for season two. So there we go. There you go. We'll come back. Yeah. I I feel like shrinking will have. You know, the whole Ted Lasso thing is: will there be a, a fourth season or a spinoff or what? Um, and I just based on the first episode, I'm kind of content with like this story ending, um, and I'm, I'm okay with it. Uh, shrinking feels like it could it could just be a you know not almost like a sitcom that just goes on and on and on like it has got no uh, ending to it really and this sounds like it's a you know a story for Ted Lasso is like a story that that has a conclusion to it at least um whether it expands beyond that we'll see but uh yeah really really enjoying shrinking yeah I need to get um, on shrinking I haven't started yet yeah hello tomorrow I was looking forward to that based on the trailer and I mentioned before I was disappointed in that but I'm still watching it every week like it's the first thing I watch when it comes out because I want to get it over with uh, and I keep I keep <laughs> what a reason to watch you want to get it over with <laughs> yeah it, it definitely hasn't turned around for me and and it, it's, it's nearing it's it's in um but I keep hoping that this week's episode is the last so I'll be, at least be done with this phase of my life but um, <laughs> can't, can't look away not, not their best outing. Um, yeah. Not the best. And then uh, last thing on the TV space. I'm sending you a, a link right now. And uh, yeah, check check this out. I know this is an area of interest for you, the thing that I'm sharing with you. So let me know what you think. Oh, yeah. They've added a sidebar. To, well, they're going to add a sidebar to yeah. the TV app on the Mac. Yeah. Yeah. What do you think? It's better than the top bar tabs. Game changer. Uh, it would be a game changer, let's say, if the section on the sidebar where it had like Apple TV Plus had subcategories for you know TV shows, yeah. film, kids, so you could actually do some secondary navigation in a single click uh-huh. instead of having to scroll vertically forever. But that hasn't yeah. happened. Basically, what they're doing here is making it look like the iPad app because the iPad app has a sidebar just like that. Um, mm-hmm. the, the Mac was kind of an outlier with this kind of like top, you know segmented control tab bar thing. The Mac where sidebars come from. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. So now the Mac's going back to having a sidebar layout, which is more scalable as they keep adding channels and extra stuff. They just need to actually like use the sidebar to give you that granularity. Because if you look at this uh, 9 to 5 Mac article, for instance, you can see they've got plenty of subcategories for the library. You've got recently added movies, rentals, TV, 4K filter, home videos, downloaded, genres, like loads of different subcategories. It's the whole videos app in there. Yeah, Yeah. like loads of stuff there. But then you look at the top section and there's just Apple TV Plus as one separate button and nothing below it. Watch now and Apple TV Plus. Yeah, Yeah. and so unfortunately the library, although all that that good like library granularity and filtering and navigation doesn't apply to TV Plus because all they put in the library is stuff that you buy or rent. Um, yeah. and I would right. like that that changed I, you should be able to put streaming stuff in your library too why is it different, why is it so segregated uh, but if they're not going to do that they should just add more drop downs to the TV Plus section So, like, and this this applies to the iPad as much as the, the Mac but what they should have is like a section for film, a section for TV, a section for kids and then maybe a coming soon section and then maybe like a separate tab on that sidebar for up next so you just have up next stuff and nothing else like it's very, you know, as always with the TV app, it's it's baby steps. But I'd say yeah. this overall is better than the top navigation they have right now. Uh, but yeah. there's there's way more to be done. That's a nine to five Mac exclusive there. Uh, as as we're recording, so the, something I was thinking about just now is that on, on this, it, it, the TV app and and how it handles TV Plus content, not integrating with your library. It's like if Apple Music didn't have a library for you to add mm-hmm. stuff to, you just had to go and seek it out every time. 
Or, or more, more of a direct analogy, it's like if the music app had a library tab, which it did, but it only let you put stuff that you bought from the iTunes store in there. Yeah, yeah. It's like, why is that a separate tab? When, like, If that's how it worked, it'd be like, that's crazy. Yeah. You only get Apple Music stuff on the first three tabs, but then the library tab where you actually have some playlists and organizational fixtures mm-hmm. only work with stuff that you buy from the iTunes store. Like That would be crazy. And yet that's exactly how the TV app works. Yeah, and, and that's how video services are. It's, you don't... I mean, you can make a list in, in Netflix. The, the difference you know, with other example, TV but. services is they don't include all the buy and rent stuff. So it's actually cleaner, right? Like, right. So like, if you go yeah. to Netflix, they have a sidebar and they have separate navigation for film and TV and kids and stuff like that. Um, well, and they, they don't have every, the they don't have the they're not the apps not overloaded trying to juggle buy and renting and other channels and like all the garbage that you generally don't care about. Uh, so the t- that's like the TV apps kind of beleaguered by its multi-purpose approach i would say yeah and things will come and go from from netflix i mean hbo is taking away their own originals from from their services for whatever reason i don't think apple's ever going to take down like a a show that didn't perform well they might do i mean they might do when the licenses run out you think oh yeah Yeah, maybe in time like i think a lot of their shows they've got on like 10-year licenses so we've got a while to wait before we see that but Maybe in the you know the twenty thirties, I don't think it's a guarantee. Even something like Ted Lasso, like the um, the rights return mm. to Warner Brothers at some point, unless mm-hmm. Apple renegotiates it. Which obviously for Ted Lasso, they probably would because it's like their darling. Probably would. Uh, but you know something like um, your favorite little voice. You know they they ditched that yeah. and they didn't even let it, the, the the story conclude with anything. I could see that eventually <laughs> appearing elsewhere. Eventually, eventually. Yeah, I hope episode ten appears somewhere. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> I mean, the 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 main character, the girl, her dad disappears on episode like eight or nine. There's no conclusion. He's he's like missing. <laughs> and... Okay, anyway, just uh, wait for it to be yeah. rebo- be rebooted by Netflix in ten years' time, and suddenly yeah. become a sensation. <laughs> yeah, like Tubi or, or or somewhere like that should should take it. Yeah, all, uh, the, all, all I, of the all, all of the failed Apple shows are just turn up on a um, ad supported service somewhere. Yeah, yeah. All right, that is the Happy Hour podcast for this week. If you enjoy the show, please uh, follow uh, our podcast and get new episodes uh, every week. Uh, you can also subscribe an Apple Podcast app for f- uh, the ad free version. We appreciate that. We appreciate everyone who supports our sponsors. Everyone who uh, uh, leaves reviews and ratings that helps us out a whole lot and, and feeds our egos and, and all that. Uh, if you have any feedback for the show, you can email Benjamin and I together at happyhour at 9to5mac.com. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at Apollo Zach. Benjamin, you're on Twitter at BZMAO. And we'll be back next week. Bye, everybody. Bye-bye.